I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more just to be the man who walked a thousand miles to be called Wilder People. We watched Hunt for the Wilder People. We are the film fellas. We watch random movies that you love, hate, or have never heard of, and then we talk about them. I'm Greg and I like my sugar with coffee and cream. I'm Nick and I can solve a Rubik's Cube. I'm Caleb, and if you were to ask me what my favorite video game is, I would say it's 2005's Battlefront 2. I'm Robbie, and I would love to go to the New Zealand rainforests. Let's get into it! Welcome, everybody. Like I said, we are the Film Fellas. This week, we watched Hunt for the Wilder People. This was Nick's pick. Nick, tell us a little bit about this movie. Yes, this movie came out in 2016 by Taika Waititi. It is a New Zealand film set in the bush. I love the sound of that. (laughs) (laughs) It stars Sam Neill, Jillian Dennison, and Tima Tewata? Wata? Very hard names for me who grew up in... Some part of California. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's uh, Rima Tewiata. Oh, there you go. What he said. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let's start off with our one sentence summaries. Nick, feel free to pick the order. Okay. I'm going to go first. Then it's going to go Robbie, Greg, and then Caleb. Oh, yeah. My one sentence summary is two guys living the Skucks life in the bush. That's one way of putting it. Very nice. You stole my bit, Nick. Um, uh, let's suck. suck. You're second. Yeah. <laughs> I know. All right. So Foster Boy and his reluctant foster father bond together over a journey as they try outrunning the cops, the SWAT teams, and a very, very angry child welfare lady. Well, that was not the same thing at all. Yeah. <laughs> Come with that all by yourself? Yes, just now. <laughs> All right. Mine is take a kid and an old man, add two dogs and a pinch of Reese Darby, and you have an adventure in the New Zealand bush. <laughs> that one's nice. Yeah. All right. We're all going pretty factual this time. <laughs> Yo, this is a story all about how Ricky Baker's life got flipped upside down, but I want you to just sit right there and shush. I'll tell you 10 survival tips when you're out in the bush. That wasn't it one sentence. It was a run-on sentence. It was with all the commas. Very nice, everybody. Take what I can get. I was going to do a haiku, and then I was like, psych, I'm bad at those. (laughs) So now we're going to get into our plot synopsis, where we're going to go one at a time and describe what happened in this movie. And we're... Probably going to leave some things out, but maybe we'll talk about it later. Maybe we won't. Anyways, we're going to have a good time. Spoilers ahead, people. This movie came out four years ago. At the time of recording this, the synopsis timestamps will be in the description down below or wherever you get your podcasting from. The movie opens up with really cool shots of the New Zealand rainforest, also known as the bush. Really cool music is going. There's a little like cop car going on the hill. Starts going off-road, very bumpy stuff. The cop car pulls up to a small little house with a little barn. A lady walks out with a police officer. Turns out the lady's with child welfare. And they are delivering a new foster child to this nice little family living out in the woods. And the kid gets out, and the girl, the first thing she says is, Wow, you're pretty big. I just like that aspect of this movie. The, the kid named Ricky Baker walks around the house. He's sort of a troubled child. Apparently, he kicks stuff and spits, and that's not good behavior. And he walks around the house, sees everything is um, quite not as urban as he would like. So he hops back in the car. Fellas. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this kid, Ricky Baker, has been given one last chance with a family. There's the missus of the family, Bella, and the mister of the family, Hector, or Hick, if you have an accent. And Ricky takes a while to warm up to the family, but eventually Bella's kind and warm demeanor really wins him over, and they start to bond pretty well. And 
Ricky turns 13 while he's at the house and they get him a dog and he decides to name this dog Tupac after his favorite rapper. Then and one best friend. Day, yes, and, and his best friend. <laughs> <laughs> then one day, Ricky comes back after going for a walk with Tupac and he finds that Bella has passed away and now it's just him and Hick, fellas. All right, so Hick is a... Although he's a very quiet man, he seems very withdrawn. It's not that he dislikes Ricky, but the problem is he doesn't know how to interact with the child. It was really Bella's decision like, hey, you know, let's, let's bring this person into our family and give them a home. And although he wasn't against it, he doesn't really know what to do with a child. So now that Bella's dead and he's alone with them, social services doesn't believe that he's going to be able to take care of Ricky. So they say, hey, we're coming to grab him in like a week and we're going to take him someplace else. Ricky, understandably, is like, I'm finally at a place where I'm happy. I don't know why you want to take me away from this place. And he's like, there's nothing I can do about it. And, you know, you got to go. And so he decides that he's going to rough it in the bush. So he's going to run away. And first, he's going to burn down the shed with a dummy of him in there and say that he died. That way, nobody comes looking for him. And he goes out into the, into the bush after burning down the shed. So... He gets lost because he doesn't know what he's doing. He's not exactly athletically fit. He doesn't know what's going on. And so he's stuck in the middle of nowhere. And Heck has to come rescue him. And then as they're about ready to leave, because he's like, come on, you know, it's been a couple days. We got to go back. This has got to get taken care of. And he trips and breaks his ankle. And so for the next six weeks, they have to build camp and keep him healthy. But that's time that he should be getting back and picked up. So no one knows where they're at, fellas. So while they're roughing it in the bush waiting for uncle, he calls him uncle, uncle's ankle to heal, they start to bond a little bit, although begrudgingly from both of them, you start to find out that, you know, to survive, they're going to need to hunt and, and how uncle has the knack for things and Ricky will probably never have it, but they, they even just start to bond. And when his ankle heals, they start to travel along because they're like, we don't need to go back to the farm. We're going to live in the bush. And they come upon this hunting cabin. And they go in there and they start raiding it for supplies. And then they see this wanted poster that says, Ricky and Hector, they're wanted for all of this. And they make the joke that's in all of the trailers. <laughs> they say that Hector is Caucasian. And he goes, oh, they got that wrong. You're clearly white. That's my favorite joke. <laughs> and while that's happening, <laughs> three hunters come in and they see that this guy has this kid and they know him from the TV. And they think that Hector has kidnapped Ricky and that he's out there against his will. And... They're like, we're going to bring you in, old man. And Ricky grabs a gun and he shoots it. And he's like, not today, motherfuckers. But he doesn't say that. He's more gangster. <laughs> and they <laughs> escape, fellas. So now they're on the run and they realize that they're not just out in the bush for their own pleasure. They have to hide from the law and all the crazy bush people who are just hunters. There's only one other bush person, but we'll get to him later. So it's just a montage of um, them surviving. Ricky starts being actually good at surviving as it were he is learning how to get the knack in said bush and there's montages of ricky reading to heck because heck can't read ooga booga style and at one point they're they keep stealing food from all these like hunting cabins because they need to live so they become little criminals little guys hiding out stealing toilet paper baked beans not ramen because apparently they don't like ramen but i think it's just heck then one time they go to a cabin and they go inside said hunting cabin they look over. Oh, there's a dead body. Whoa, oh. fellas. Oh. Turns out it's not a dead body after all. It's just a person with uh, diabetes who really needs some medical attention. So Heck decides to, that he's going to stay and take care of the guy. And it's Ricky's turn to go off all alone and try and go find some help. And so he, he goes and he finds this quaint yet quirky family. And he says, you know, we got a, a guy back there a, co a couple of miles back and he needs medical attention. And he spends the night with him and he's tempted to stay. But then he, uh, he wakes up the next morning. He's like, oh, I got to go warn my uncle uh, so that we don't get caught. And when Ricky gets back to the cabin, he finds that Child Protective Services and SWAT and other enforcement people are already swarming the place. And he can't find heck. So he has to rough it all by himself for a couple of days before he finds him. But not before... Pola, the Child Protective Services lady, uh, and her trusty sidekick, Andy, get, <laughs> try and convince him one last time to just give himself up, but he refuses. And he runs off and he 
finds water and takes it to higher ground and he finds heck fellas so they've uh, met each other again and ricky's like heck you know i i lived on my own this time or for this much time i guess i'm a good bush person and heck's like yeah you got somebody Let let's hang out together and so they start running away from the child protective services again and now it's becoming winter and there's the snow and we get a really cool shot montage of them traveling and uh, getting followed by the child protective services and then they wind up on top of this really beautiful mountain with these streams and lakes and it's really beautiful and it reminds ricky of what the mother bella had told him about how when she died she would go up to this place because that's what you know the local people that was the legend when she dies where she'd go and so this whole time ricky's been carrying her ashes in a box one of the reasons why he left was he wanted to make sure that she went to that sky place and she was he was going to pass out the ashes and so he's up there and he goes over to Heck and shows Heck the box. And Heck looks and he's like, all right, so thank you for bringing her. This actually meant a lot to me. I didn't know how to process it and I want to start to move on. That's something I can learn from you because that's something that you already know. And so they're like, all right, we got to, that was a nice moment. Now we, we've got to keep moving on because we've got to avoid, it's been months. And then they see a walking bush and they freak out because they're like, oh my gosh, the bush, is it moving? And it is. And it's this guy who's like, I'm Psycho Sam. And they're both like, who are you? And he's like, ah, it's okay. I'm just a crazy conspiracy theorist living in these bushes. That's fine. Just come into my place. And so they go into his place and he's completely nuts. But they're like, okay, he seems pretty harmless. So we'll sleep here anyway. And then uh, Heck and Ricky bond a little bit more because they realize what each other's strengths and weaknesses are and how they're going to really come together. But... Who's outside? Why, it's social services back again with the SWAT team. Oh. So they've got to try and escape. Fellas. So like, we got to get out of here. What's the quickest way out of here? And Psycho Sam goes, get pick. And he goes, do you actually have one of those? He goes, no, but it is the quickest way. He's like, oh, no, we got to get out of here. So he goes, we'll take Crumpy. What is Crumpy? And he pulls back this tarp, and he's got this Toyota pickup truck. And Ricky jumps in, and he's like, I'm driving this bad boy. And they drive all around getting chased with all these helicopters and all these tanks and the army is there and they're getting chased all over the place and they do these sweet stunts and jumps and flips and going all over the place but they eventually crash into this junkyard full of cars and social services comes and heck's like ah i'm injured i gotta give up and he's like you said we were never gonna give up and he's like we gotta give up and he starts to walk out and ricky's like no and he shoots him in the butt and he's like oh you shot me fellas <laughs> So Heck goes to jail for a little bit and Ricky goes and lives with the nice family that helped him earlier who gave him sausage and played him a nice song. He's there for a year and then he gets to see Heck who is now living in a old person home alone trying to read. He goes there. He's like, hey, uncle. And he's like, don't call me uncle. Anyway, he, he wants him to come live with him and leave the old folks home. And earlier in the movie, they saw a cool bird. And the bird is called a Haimu. Hui. Oh, you didn't even let him try. <laughs> no, What's it called? He's right. Is it? It is a hui. It is a hui. Or a hui. I had it highlighted and I lost it. <laughs> Earlier they saw a hui, which is an bird. And Ricky saved up money to buy a camera because he wants him and Hick to go and try to find that bird, and he wants to bond with him again. And Hick is not very happy in his current living situation. He's like, it's full of old people, even though he's pretty old himself. But old people are sort of boring to other old people. So that he, he decides, sure, let me go get my toothbrush, which is a very common occurrence in uh, movies we watch. In film fellas. <laughs> Filmography. <laughs> least to get a toothbrush. <laughs> toothbrush. Anyway, Ricky <laughs> hugs him. He, he becomes, he's a... Heck, let's Ricky call him. <laughs> Just cracking yourself up over there. And the movie ends with them reuniting. Yay! Yay! We did it. Aww, such a good movie. Good job. I think Robbie likes this movie, you know? Word. I just have a feeling. I decided to pick this movie because last week I watched it when I was bored and I've heard about it because when I first watched Deadpool 2, I'm like, who's that funny kid playing Russell? That is my first <laughs> note. Hey, Gillian the kid from Deadpool 2. <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually, if the, there's ever a movie about nah. me, I want him to play me. There you go. You know, you do have the same hair, don't you? 
Yes. But I mean, this movie came up before Deadpool 2, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but know. I saw it first. But I saw Deadpool 2 first. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm like this. And I, then it's like, it's, oh, it's Taika Watiti movie. And he has really good <laughs> directing because I really like Jojo Rabbit and Thor. And like, oh, this guy, oh, I'm going to watch. He has good directing. He has right, good directing. Nick. He bought it. <laughs> so I watched it and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's funny humor, really good cinematography, and Ricky is a is a nice, enjoyable character. <laughs> and his best friend is Tupac, so that's pretty cool. So that was like, hey, the boys might like it. Caleb got mad at me for picking it. No, I I was I formally apologized to both of my fellow podcasters and the audience for you know alleging that I resent Nick for picking this. I was going to pick it, but I was very happy that Nick picked it first because I have my own ideas. So thank you, Nick. And I apologize. So I I hated this movie. (gasps) Why? Because they killed Zag. Right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, where the red fern grows all over again. (laughs) I was going to say, I was like, it's one of my favorites. Well, it's not my favorite scene. But it's like the re- the emotions. Explain yourself. Robbie's a psycho. Robbie, <laughs> no. explain yourself right now. Emotionally, one of the most impactful books when I was a kid that like made me cry repeatedly on every read was Where the Red Fern Grows. Mm-hmm. And I knew the second that this scene started exactly where it was going. And I was like, oh, oh this is going to be awful. But it's like the sound design is played well. They don't overdraw it out. It's done very well. And so I liked the pacing of it. So it's not that it's like a, a favorite scene. It's just, I really liked how in contrast to other movies where it's like when they throw it in as a plot device. And so they spend five minutes screaming to the sky, why? And it's like not actually tied to their stuff at all. It's just, well, we need something sad to happen. Go ahead and kill the dog. Hold the yeller. So I actually did enjoy this film, fellas. Wise. <laughs> I want people to take me the wrong way. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you liked it. I also really liked this movie. I saw it, was it a couple of months ago. I've seen, I think, all of Taika Waititi's movie, except for his very first one, which I just Shark vs. Eagle? Yeah, Shark vs. Eagle. I That's actually the only one I've seen. Oh, really? Uh, until Thor Ragnarok and etc. Gotcha. Well, if... But I saw that before, guys, I know who he was. Yeah, if you fellas or anyone out there hasn't seen Boy by Taika Waititi or uh, What We Do in the Shadows, the movie. There's a show now on FX, which is also pretty good. I've seen some of it uh, and it's also pretty funny, but those two movies, you really should. I would highly recommend these two movies. We probably will uh, watching them on the podcast unless unless we do. Spoilers <laughs> <laughs> ahead, people. Yeah. I, I really uh, have not, I haven't watched either of the, either of the shows that you mentioned, sorry, movies that you mentioned, but the, <laughs> this was so good that I am very happy to go seek out his other stuff because the cinematography and my favorite shot of the movie, and I think I already mentioned it while we were doing the summary. Perhaps. Yeah. When the just, dog dies. Yeah. No. <laughs> you already said it. No. I like, I, I like how the story went with that. But like, no, my favorite part of this entire movie is when they're getting chased by the child protective services who are following their every footstep. And so this it's just so a like long shot. Yeah. But it's a long <laughs> shot pan of the jungle in winter. And it like just mm. shows them going in and out of vignettes of like what they're doing. And then the camera just turns around and now it's all this, you know, the child protective workers doing the exact same thing, bumbling along, trying to track them because they don't know how to do, you know, how to live in the bush but these two do so you get to see like him munching on food and dropping it all over the crime scene type stuff it's really good and i love that shot and i'm like this is very talented work so i want to see his other stuff yes but yeah that's he my has, favorite scene. he has a very good eye for fun visuals and really striking visuals it's a pretty distinctive yeah. style and also his dialogue is just very quirky it's clunky and quirky like life is clunky and quirky i think it really captures the aspect of how just weird and awkward life is but it's never like cringy i don't know it, it really works for me i think his dialogue is really spectacular but understated when i was watching it it really reminded me of like the grand budapest hotel 
where everyone mm-hmm. is like way smarter in a way than like they should be especially with like ricky he doesn't he, he's like street smart but like very not bush smart but he's a very quick-witted child when it comes to insults totally <laughs> for example oh for example i already sort of mentioned this but um the second he finds out heck can't read he's like only people who can't read say they can oh <gasps> wait you're one of those guys who can't read you're ooga booga like ooga booga can't read huh. and it was I don't know why <laughs> it stuck with me. I does, I butchered that scene so hard. He's really <laughs> quick. Killed he's quick it. with the quips. Quick with the quips. Quick with the quips. Also, he's best friends with Tupac. Yep. You can't mm-hmm. can't go wrong with that. Can't get any better than that. And here's one thing that we didn't mention. When he sees when he goes back to Heck after he spent that wonderful night eating sausage with the people, <laughs> he that. goes back and sees ninjas. Hellhounds and Dire Child Welfare. Yeah. Ninjas, <laughs> Dire Wolves, Child Welfare. Which is kind of something I wanted to ask you all about. In the final scene, when they're all, or the final chase scene, when they're driving the ute and they crash it into the, the junkyard, there's like a dozen or so police cars and two helicopters and there's SWAT everywhere. Do you think that or actually, no. And then there's like two dozen cars. Do you think that all of those were actually there? Or do you think it was like Ricky's heightened imagination? That's a, that's a lot of people for, for a two-person mm. manhunt. I think based on what we've seen in the rest of the movie, they were definitely there. Because we keep getting flashes of newscasters being like, oh, this huge national story of this kid and this guy out in the wilderness. It's been five months. We've been following this one story for five months. Yeah. I feel like it, that, uh, yeah, the New Zealand government would totally throw. Yeah. In the context of this story, mm-hmm. yeah, throw it, that much in the story. At it. Yeah, there's a, there's a kind of heightened it's reality. Like Paula has the power to do whatever she wants, manpower wise. Yeah, which, which is something that's like on the realistic level that obviously it wouldn't work out as much. But within like the, the logic of the movie of how it's set up, it makes perfect sense because like she's giving carte blanche to do whatever she wants. And she wants to play American hero cop, which she gets chastised for during that scene at the very end, actually. Because he's because she's like, it's more of an American right. police thing. Yeah. <laughs> you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. And her cop, but he's like, hey, that's an American thing. We don't we don't do that here. Just, you know, <laughs> it's not quite the same. Calm down. <laughs> but also like the New Zealand police don't have anything better to do than this man. <laughs> <laughs> From what we know in America, there's there's no crime in New Zealand. Police are all just chilling out. It's just rugby. <laughs> yeah. Did you bring up related. rugby a couple of times? Is everyone there just like Psycho Sam? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, I think the, we, we should apologize right now. <laughs> yes. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Oi, oi, No. That's a different uh, country. But I know. Yeah, was, you're going to piss off a lot of people, dude. Come on, cotton. man. I played rugby. Something that really... Australia, though, I always associate the bush with Australia and not so much New Zealand. Well, I was thinking uh, about the outback. Country. Um, I was very surprised about the how like vast the bush was there in New Zealand. Mm. Um, about a million hectares. As you can tell, I don't know anything about New Zealand. <laughs> you seen Lord of the Rings? I did. It's basically a travelogue for New Zealand. Yeah. New Zealand they did a nice little reference gorgeous. to when... Uh, Ricky is in Robbie's favorite scene, hiding from the people in the winter. He, he starts motioning to Heck, like pulling something off his finger. And Heck's just like, what, what the fuck's going on? It's like, it's like, it's like Lord, Lord of the Rings. Cause the people are like walking right behind him. While they're hiding I love that. Place. Cause when yeah. they jumped, when they jumped to hide by that thing, I was like, Oh, this is like Lord of the Rings. And then he said <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> but how does he have time to like, or the resources to get all these pop culture references? When See, he's here, like a troubled here's the deal. Kid? If you think that people will not just throw movies and music at disruptive kids in place of actual parenting, then uh, you are dead wrong. Yeah, it's been a lot of group homes, yeah. been a lot of foster homes. Yeah. Also, it yep. was it was filmed in the country that they're in, and it's like they're uh, it's like they're. I they're think to get the money for the movie, they had to reference it in this movie. <laughs> like that was the one stipulation. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, this really sucked in the box office. <laughs> Let me tell you that. More people should have seen this movie. More people need to see this movie. It's a good like, movie. Apparently, it this was one fantastic. of the first movies in New Zealand to make over a million New Zealand dollars. Yes, but opening weekend, this is for the U.S., which just the only one that matters. We have all the awards. <laughs> <laughs> it only made $78,000 opening weekend, which is like. It probably didn't open on that many screens. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. Probably New York and L.A. In like a, a few theaters each. Yeah. I'm not like, surprised. Th- I think it was mostly a New Zealand release. Mm-hmm. I can't see this not being a critical darling. It was wonderfully paced, wonderfully directed and wonderfully acted. And it's a coming-of-age story. Like, those always do really well. And it has Sam Neill. And Reese Darby. It, it says right here Darby. on my notes, Reese Darby, hooray! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, I would like to, uh, to say, you said it was a coming-of-age story, which I do agree with, but I think there is, like, a special category of coming-of-age that is sort of like the, the reluctant father figure story. You know, you mm-hmm. got, uh, I can't think of anything off- offhand other than The Last of Us at the moment, but uh, it's definitely. Uh, the Last of Us Part 2. That too. No, well, <laughs> that's, that's not the, uh, the reluctant father figure story. <laughs> part of it. Yes, it is, it is part of it. What are the what are the other reluctant father figures? I'm trying to think because Sorry. there are them. Oh, this this movie also. I was watching this movie while I'm on a video game kick. I guess this movie is basically the the latest God of War, where a reluctant father figure and his boy are going to fulfill their mother's wishes up in the mountains somewhere. It's spreading it's her ashes. Yeah, it's the same story, but I mean, just, final resting place. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Except he was blood related to his boy. Boy. Like boy. <laughs> I I can't think off the top of my head, but absolutely. Mm-hmm. This is a divorce from your typical like child finds themselves, the child bonds with mother or the family comes together. One of the things that makes it so good is the fact that Ricky affects Heck just as much as Heck affects Ricky. Mm-hmm. They both grow immensely from this because they're stuck together. Oh, I know one. It was a Tim Allen movie. Back in Oh yeah. Oh, forever you, jungle ago. to jungle. Jungle to jungle. jungle yes. To jungle? Yeah, that was a reluctant father. Yeah, film. you are correct. This yeah. he gets the pan to give to someone. Yeah, that that was exactly what I was thinking when you brought it up, and I was like, I can't think of this, and it's going to kill me. But yeah, jungle to jungle. Yeah, the reluctant um, father figure. I feel like Tim Allen's a, a lot of reluctant father figure. Films. Probably. Yeah. But I really, yeah, I just I like how that effect happened and. It wasn't just like, oh, he's too busy to work and now he learns to be a family member. It's like, no, they're both going through two very heavy, like he's learning how to support himself and trust another after living an entire life where he can't trust people to take care of him. And Heck is learning to be able to trust himself with someone to be, you know, trust to move on from like Bella's death or he, he learns how to be more open to new experiences that he wasn't before. So yeah. they both kind of give each other the best parts of their world they were locked into, which I really like. And it was done, it wasn't hammering us over the head. A lot of this film, it wasn't the dialogue so much as the subtext that told mm-hmm. that story. And I really liked it. Yeah, you don't like get that monologue or that one line i mean there's like one line for me that sort of sums it all up but there's not i finished the movie the first time and i was like i feel like there's a point to this but i have to think about it for just a little bit yeah and it's not just like well guys it's time for the big moral of the story to be put out for the next 45 seconds of exposition yeah it was it's just about their relationship growing and learning to trust each other and i just think I think it's really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that originally started when Ricky talks about his friend Amber, oh, and then it goodness, really puts yeah. into um, perspective to heck about like Ricky. He, he thinks Ricky just hasn't gone through anything because he's like he's a foster care kid, like whatever. But then he like sees that like Ricky has gone through this. He has like had people die around him, and his life really really sort of blew before this. And heck, even went to his whole thing was he was in jail. 
and he got out for like manslaughter. It was like a drunk fight and the guy died. Unfortunate. And then he got picked up by Bella and he thought that he was like all the hardships and he finds out later that the only like option for Ricky is to either stay in the bush with him or to go to jail for kids. Juvie. Yeah, because he didn't know what juvie was. He was like, what's juvie? <laughs> and he's like, uh, it's basically prison. And then he was like, oh. I want to talk I've about. Qu- no, me. <laughs> yes. Sound design in this movie. I really enjoyed it. It had nice, enjoyable indie rock in the background in these amazing shots. It has like local. I'm assuming that's New Zealand, locally New Zealand music. I'm not going to like expect you guys to know that, but like the big shots of the opening shot of the bush and the later shot of the bush of all the <laughs> i'm gonna look at this wildlife yes there there's a lot of really great songs in this one and what i think they do is they all sound familiar but they're just different enough so taika does a similar thing and his other movie boy where it's set in the 80s and all of the songs sound 80 like but they're but they're like more of what you would hear in new zealand at the time and stuff that's more local and it's like in uh in, even in the trailer for jojo rabbit they had uh that david bowie song but it was sung in german so that it always sounds kind of like a song that you know but just different enough well, the music is all by one band. <laughs> <laughs> all the music is done by the same band. Um, Mo- Moniker? Moniker. Moniker. Yes. And cool. which, let's be honest. Well, except there's one song that wasn't, which was the Ricky Baker song. Ricky mm-hmm. Baker once rejected, now accepted. Mm-hmm. And um, the rest is by Moniker. And can we just talk about... Even Ricky's all- birthday song is by Moniker? Yeah, Ricky's birthday song is not by them. Yeah, Bella's in uh, Bella's in Monica. By Bella and Ricky Baca. She's the lead synthesizer. <laughs> but all the nummiest treats, which is the Butterfinger song playing in the background when Ricky sees his um soon to be new family member. Oh, and he meets Kahu. Kahu. Yeah. Yes. That's the uh the Cadbury Flake song, right? <laughs> yes. That song's just a, such a jam. That's from the eighties, I think. It's from like a commercial from nineteen eighty five. I don't know. Someone could fact check me on that. Yeah, but then they um they rechanged it to having them dub it over. I really just picked this because I thought it was so enjoyable, and I even had my dad watch with me once because I watched this three times in preparation for this. Mostly because <laughs> the first time I was like, "Oh, I should pick for that to be the next episode." The next time I watched, I'm like, "I should take notes," and I didn't take notes because I wasn't <laughs> watching it. And the third time I rewatched it with subtitles with my roommate, and then I took notes. And the dialogue is a lot more snappier without subtitles. Subtitles are an atrocious thing and should be taken off every streaming service. Uh, no. Um, I no. love my subtitles. Every time subtitles comes on, they come on a second before. And if you're reading subtitles, you got to be a decently fast reader. You see the dialogue and you like have it in your head and the actor's still like saying it, but you already know the punchline of everything. Don't watch this movie with subtitles unless you're deaf. Then you're probably not watch listening this to this movie podcast. With subtitles. I'm sorry. Watch this movie with subtitles. Don't watch it with subtitles. <laughs> I swear to God. The only part you should watch with subtitles <laughs> is the song of The Nummiest Treats because it's hilarious with subtitles. It, it is Because you can't actually sorry. understand them out there. Crumbliest, flakiest chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh. what is a scux to you guys? I have no idea. Ricky <laughs> said it was like a like a like the coolest, best lookingest person, right, Greg? Yeah, it's like a baller. It's like a like a G. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I it would it would just be ter- a catch-all term for the cool thing. I would really like to try and make myself into B so that I have something to go and look up to. Like how heck, um, Ricky like talks about I'm a gangster, and heck just immediately shuts him down. I've met gangsters, and they are nothing like you. <laughs> Again, I've met real criminals. <laughs> I really like the props they use in the wilderness. Like they give Ricky Baker nice little um, uh, Walkman made of leaves because he's trying to entertain himself while Hick is great. nice and uh, broken on the ground. And what's up with the bu- with, with Psycho Sam's bush outfit? 
they made it like a joke, but that was pretty convincing to me. Like, <laughs> that guy's been out there for like 15 years. Yeah. He had time to make a convincing Bush costume. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's half man, half Bush. Half man, half Bush. A Bush? <laughs> A man, a bushman. But he Business forgot to build the, the escape front, tunnel. The, back. <laughs> the escape tunnel bit was my favorite. I wrote that down. <laughs> and they're like trying to escape from child welfare. And like, wait, this door leads to a secret tunnel that I haven't dug it yet. <laughs> it was great. That, one of the best things about this film were the performances. A lot Is of quirky Neil? characters in this. What? Sam Neill. Yeah. Sam Neill, that's right. Yeah. Ne- Neil's performance through the whole thing. The best parts where he wasn't like he didn't have any lines and it was just all the subtext from his face was great because it was like this grizzled old man face. But it would be Mm -hmm. so varied depending on what was going on. And during that scene where Ricky is dancing around with a fake Walkman and he's like, would you like to listen? He just (laughs) looks at him. He's like, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) it's golden. He sells the entire thing. As well as Ricky's deadpan, because um, the actor that plays Ricky did a great job of just deadpanning this whole thing of like, oh, well, you know, this and every, everything just being silent except for these two characters, which is my favorite type of comedy. So very and witty, very quick. Jillian was or Julian, not Jillian. I think it's that's Julian. Prince Julian. Anyway, <laughs> Ricky Baker, because that's easier for me to say, because apparently I have problems with names. He was 14 when he did this movie. And I think that's just a really cool fact because he killed it, even being a small child. Yeah, it's a fun performance. It's a really full of a lot of energy and pep. And he really sort of sells the duality of a kid with 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 a traumatic past, but also just being a kid, you know? Yeah. And he, he didn't oversell his past either. Like it was a, a realistic take on somebody who's like, I've had trauma. I'm trying to process it. We'll try to avoid it. And we're not going to linger on this type thing. Mm-hmm. I think he drops out some sick haikus on them. Speaking of um, Ricky and Sam Neill's amazing facial expressions, when Nikki finally, or Ricky, not Nikki, I'm Nikki. Ricky is the guy in the movie. <laughs> when they're in the Psycho <laughs> Sam's cabin at night and Ricky starts going off uh, on how... Some people can't have kids, yet the ones who can don't want them. That's some rough oh. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm adopted, by the way. This has nothing to do with me because this, this is not my case scenario, but that's some rough stuff. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Uh, it's a sad mm. life. Yeah. It's and a I like how that life. scene just sort of ends on, well, it ends on a joke with Psycho Sam, really, but Hex says, like, well, you know, we, your mom probably wanted you. She probably loves you. And Ricky says, oh, I bet not. And Heck just says, eh, I, I bet you did. You're pretty likable. And that's just sort of where it ends. And it, it's just a very understated. And I feel like they earned that moment. Mm. They spent yeah. a lot of time. Well, like together. in the beginning of the movie when he's like, look, I'm going to run away. I don't want to be here. I'm gangster and stuff. And <laughs> Bella's like, all right. Well, if you're going to run away, you know, be back by breakfast. We got breakfast coming for you. (laughs) And she just keeps finding these little ways to like break through his, the barriers he's built up by, you know, taking him hunting and getting him the dog and giving him the hottie Mm -hmm. for, for at night. So it's really (laughs) heartbreaking when she just unceremoniously dies. I know. It was so out of nowhere and it made me so viscerally unhappy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, look at Ricky. He's having a nice life. He's got the hot water bottle and then dead Bella. And we don't get any explanation how. Yeah, things just happen, man. Hmm. Although I do like when they're doing the hunting and she like jumps off the cliff with the knife and kills that boar. Yeah, it was bloody, but comically <laughs> bloody. Lord of the Flies style. <laughs> and then like, Heck did the same thing later to try to save Zag, but he sort of failed. But he's Apparently not as Bella good a hunter as Bella. Something this movie, like I said, does really well is... Not really dissonance, but during the sad parts, being able to make you feel that visceral pang of sadness while still having the dialogue be witty and quippy and kind of balances it out without undermining the problem. Like by the time you're in the church for the funeral, you're like, oh, this is awful. Like you're still processing what just happened. Like you're expecting like some background of like maybe something's going to happen with her death or whatever, but you're kind of, you're lost. And 
the preacher is just giving this bumbling eulogy and he just, you know, starts actually answering the rhetorical questions, not the way that the guy is wanting. And you're still Jesus? like horribly set. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's not Jesus. It's another door. <laughs> There's another door. Yeah. And, and that door. Jesus is Jesus. Jesus. Yes. Jesus. 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 <laughs> Played by Taika Waititi, by the way. Yeah. Just a, a quick cameo in this one. And it was, it's like that you still had all the sadness, but at the same time, now you're not wallowing in it kind of because it cuts it well. But at the same time, it doesn't dip. That's why I liked, well, didn't like, but it's, it's why I appreciated, <laughs> that's a better word. It's why I appreciated Probably. Zag's death scene because it did the same thing where it was deep, it was heavy. But when he's putting the stones on the gravestone and it says Zag and Hex like, wait, what's that say? He's like, it says Zag. And he's like, oh, okay, that's good. good and they walk off. It's just like that dissonance there actually works in its favor. Whereas in other movies, a lot of times they're like, oh, this is sad. So we have to throw in some comic relief. And it, the tonal dissonance just jars you right out of the scene. And that doesn't happen in this movie. I still think you're a psycho for really liking that scene. <laughs> it's just so well crafted it is well done i'll give you that one but I mean, and it reminds me of one of the saddest stories i've ever read which i enjoyed as a child uh, because it made me cry and go hug a dog i do think wolf on wall street is very sad <laughs> and then after i watched this i went and hugged my sister dog for like five minutes and i was yeah. like <laughs> yeah i finished wolf on wall street and i was like guys i gotta go home and call my wolf Oh, there's puns. I watched with my roommate the third time, and (laughs) the second he saw the first boar scene, he's like, Oh, one of these dogs is going to die. Oh, (laughs) no. And then then Bella just straight murks the hell out of the boar, and he's like, Oh, I guess it's not, but I'm pretty sure they gave the kid Tupac. Tupac's going to die. And the whole time, it wasn't Tupac. Tupac I like Tupac. Tupac lives. It gets to the next poor scene. He's like, Tupac's still going to die here. And I'm sitting here like, don't say anything. And then it was Zag. But I think it sort of would have been distasteful to have Tupac get murked by a boar. Mm. Yeah. But I mean, it's sad either way. They're both good boys. Narratively, it's also really, it's really good by giving them a death at that part waypoint. Because a big underwriting current of this whole thing is how you process grief. So whether it's grieving for the person who took you in, grieving for your wife, grieving for a family you don't have or you think you'd never have, or grieving for your dog, it's all stages of grief. And you see that in the beginning, they don't process it well. It ends up with Heck basically being like, I'm locking her away in a box and I'm going to go out in the wilderness until basically I die. And it ends with Hector being, or with uh, Ricky being like, okay, I guess I'm just going to burn this shed down and run to the woods. That type of like, they didn't process it well. But by the end with that, they were able to start being like, okay, this is what we got to do. Try and give peace. And then we got to try and move on. So that was a big part of it. I think the important thing is that it's Heck's dog because he's been pretty emotionally closed off from Ricky the whole time. And Ricky has been trying to reach out to him. And he says like, but you know, you have to process what you're feeling. When my friend Amber died, I had to process that for ages. And that's Heck's moment to open up to Ricky where Heck has sort of given Ricky the knack. And so they have that connection where they're both pretty good at roughing it out in the wild, but they don't have an emotional connection just yet. And so when Heck is allowed to be vulnerable, I think that's what really sells their connection at the very end. Do you guys think Amber's story is way darker than it comes across? So dark. Um, Yeah. It was like, it's dark. It's so like, did the people, did like the dad kill her? I think so. Because she said that it's heavily touching her. And he's like, well, I got to silence this chick. And then she's just gone. She's dead. Like, it's yeah. too dark for me. It's, I was it's like, dark. holy fuck. Yeah, because the kid's just kind of throwing that line away. And it's mm-hmm. a lot of subtext in what he's not saying. Yeah, yeah. I was processing that yeah. for months. I Get away just... from dark stuff. I like the part where she's being chased by the social yes. services. And there's just a little ravine. And he's like, Get over here, get across this ravine. It's like, no, I'm never going to come back to you. It's like, well, I'm never going to stop chasing you. I'm like the Terminator. 
No, I'm never going to come over there. I'm more like the Terminator. No, I already said it. I'm first. You're more like Sarah Connor from the first movie before she started doing chin-ups. <laughs> I wrote that down in my notes. That's, that's one of my favorite jokes. My favorite joke is actually like Hector Faulkner is Caucasian. Well, they got that wrong. You're obviously white. Uh, but, yeah, like I said in the intro. But the Sarah Connor bev- uh, before she could do chin-ups is like probably the second place. That's a really good joke. One of the best parts about that whole bit is that it returns during the court scene at the end. And <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Where it's like... I was like to terminate it. <laughs> yeah, it just behind. zooms over and it's like all this heavy, heavy, you know, this is what happened. You know, this is what's going on. Then to her, it was like, well, I told him that he was Sarah Connor and that I was the Terminator. And that was her whole bit during the court. It was great. My favorite joke is when they decide they have to run for the first time after the kerfuffle with the first hunters. And he's yeah. like, we have to run. Let's go. They run for like two seconds. He's like, never mind, never mind. Uh, let's just fast walk. Yeah, Heck had yeah. just like recovered from his busted ankle and, you know, uh-huh. Ricky's fat. So they're both like, uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> I could relate to Heck so much during this because he just had a bum leg the entire time. And I'm like, I feel your pain, brother. <laughs> but also like right after that shot is another shot that really reminded me of uh lord of the rings where it's sort of like a helicopter shot and they're descending from a hill it's sort of like when uh, aragorn and and the gang are chasing after pippin and mary in the second one and also gimli is like we dwarves are natural sprinters and, <laughs> yeah, like, I remember I that. Like They're running. just on the top of a mountain. Yeah. Like, like, what are they doing up there? They could have gone around the mountain. There's absolutely no reason to... for them to. Well, yeah, because they're walking down. Like, what are you doing up there? Yeah, you didn't have to climb the mountain <laughs> and then go down the mountain. You could have gone around the little mountain. They thought it'd be a good shot. <laughs> but it's a great shot. So, I mean, and also, it, I'm pretty sure it's an homage to Two Towers, but I don't know for sure. Hmm? This was like a travel ad for New Zealand because after watching it, I, w- I want to go so badly. Mm. I think any movie in New Zealand is a travel ad for New Zealand. I don't think they have to do that on purpose. Especially no, Meet the Feebles. gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And they have baklava. And if, you, if you've seen the Flight of the Concords show, you know that they're pretty aware that they want to get people to experience other things other than the uh, New Zealand wildlife. What was your guys' least favorite character in this one? Because for me, it was Paula, in a way. You don't like Paula? She was. She's good for what she's supposed to do, like, just be a constant pressure. She's really funny, she, though. She was, like, so irritating to everyone she talked to. Like, when she goes to the tech guy who does the stingray, which is, like, emits a, a fake frequency that any phone within, like, um, five-kilometer radius will go off so that they can find Ricky if he had a phone. She just talks down to everyone and it was like irritated me. She had like the good jokes like Sarah Connor and wants some scroggin, which is just trail mix. <laughs> but well, she like, also had know. like when uh, when Ricky torches the barn and he sets like this dummy and uh, he makes like a, some sort of plate for his face. It cuts to her like she drags a finger across the plate of the dummy and she sniffs <laughs> it and she goes... This is no torched foster child. And Andy's like, how can you tell? (laughs) (laughs) I like that joke. (laughs) Why was she in the tank in the end? Because she got to get her man. No child left behind. No child left behind. (laughs) She said it four times in that interview. And I was like, oh, pretty funny. (laughs) I don't know what that means. (laughs) Would you guys want to actually visit New Zealand after this? Because I am completely frightened of the bush. Mostly because I was thinking about the outback in Australia and how everything there is trying to kill you. And in the bush, those wild boars, I'm assuming there's wild boars there because they seem to be in every rainforest. Boars are quite scary. And even if you shoot them once with a gun, they're most likely going to keep coming after you. And Mm. the horrible temperature changes, like Heck says that most people who die in the bush are found naked because they think the clothes are slowing them down and they die from like hyperthermia. It seems so unfun to be in there. Yeah, it's paradoxical undressing, is I think what he was trying to, to reference. It's mm-hmm. where people like just start stripping off their clothes. Like but been- also because, yeah, but your body like reverses its own internal clock to where you will feel like you're burning up even if you're freezing because it overcompensates. 
Dang, I didn't know it was that powerful. Well, I mean, I think it'd be hard mentally. to visit New Zealand and not get sucked up in the Lord of the Rings tourism business because that's what a lot of it is now. It's mm-hmm. just a lot of people coming to see the Lord of the Rings stuff, ruining the Shire and yeah. <laughs> probably selling cheap crap. I I love but it looks pretty. like walks and stuff and I, I would adore it because that was something I looked forward to anytime we had a port call was or when anytime went to a different um, station was just to look and see like what was the nearest like nature thing to do because I love hiking and things like that. So I, I just I cannot imagine going to New Zealand and not going to see like the plant life and stuff. It would be like a nightmare scenario if I was unable to do so, actually. It seems like you can go to literally anywhere and be in a different biome of biome, plant yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Which sounds so fascinating. Ugh. I would go to New Zealand or Australia. I, all of what uh, we fear over here in America aside, like people do live there. It's not as if <laughs> it's all untamed wild. So, I mean, yeah, give it a shot. Why not? Don't let fear rule your life, Nick. Is this movie set in the past? No, I thought it was too because of that uh, Cadbury commercial being yeah. on the telly for no particular reason. There's but, that, all the old cars, and then Ricky has a flip phone. But Kahu or Kahu's dad grabs a selfie mm-hmm. with Ricky and calls it a selfie. Well, and is that her it. dad? I think she so. said it was her dad. Yeah, I was she wondering. Too. I thought it was her brother. No, she's yeah. like, it's my dad. Yeah, it's her dad. But yeah. that was like Gen 1 iPhone. Yeah, so I mean, it happens in 2008 because he posts on Facebook. Is on Facebook? Yeah, and like. <gasps> oh yeah, he does because where... it's a whole stick. Sh- yeah, and he hashtags it. So I mean, and, and Tupac is mentioned, so it's at least past the 90s. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I mean, I too, I have in my notes. Does this movie happen in 1985? And then I said no but for the why following would there reasons. Be one of those ads because. Maybe they brought it back after this movie release, but I'm pretty sure that thing's been the Cadbury flake. Well, around Christmas, you know the Hershey's Kiss commercial where it's the bells ringing? Yeah. Yes. That commercial's been on for like 30 years. (laughs) It is old. Psycho Mm. Sam's cooking made me viscerally uncomfortable. Yeah. The thing where he just puts, (laughs) like earlier we have Bella who picks off and defers and de-skins animals with mm-hmm. Ricky and then he just throws it in the pot like all the all the fur <laughs> just throws some salt puts it in water and I'm just like I'm so no wonder they wanted to leave with all that cooking he was doing yeah, yeah I feel like that's a lot worse than what they were doing just cooking little animals over a fire pit <laughs> dude like Ricky's like we gotta get out of here he's like I agree the cooking's pretty terrible but we'll leave in the morning <laughs> the, the thing he is there for 15 years and those cookies have probably been with him for 15 years probably and i'm pretty sure that he kept them and didn't eat them because he kept thinking he was going to have guests <laughs> and he finally got guests. pretty green and he brings it's out these lore. moldy cookies that are like the ones your grandma brings on christmas yeah like the shortbread sugar cookies yeah. those are good when they're not all green i like how ricky was like i'm gonna eat this he no hesitation and then heck grabs it like don't don't do it did anybody tear up when I Heck had his haiku? I did. I teared up just uh, just a little, little in each eye. I don't know, like single tear. Caleb's real classy. Just went down real slow. Mm-hmm. Really respectful, just uh, just like a movie. But yeah, I did. There's something about the way he says his haiku, and he just ends it with "It was the best." Mm-hmm. And you're like, "It was the best, wasn't it?" <laughs> that was really sweet and the part that got me was um the hug because like ricky walks up hesitates for just a small second because i don't know it was thinking like heck's gonna like decide no but then he just goes yeah. for it because i'm pretty sure he hadn't had a hug since bella like tucked him in that last night dude probably five months of no hug Ooh. well a year because he stayed with the family for a year oh yeah yeah a year and five months well it's he had to the prison sentence yeah which brings me to a question I actually wanted to ask you all. Do you think this movie has like an anti-government sentiment? They like seem an to... anarchist swint? Yeah, it, well, I mean, it just seems like in a movie where the child welfare services are the bad guys, it leads me to wonder, you know? Like, did you guys get that at all? Or am mm-hmm. I just crazy? I have my own thoughts about it, but I want to see what you all think. 
I don't think it was anti-government. I think it was more just how the media can portray something totally different from what is actually happening, just from like um, one person's view of the situation. Like none, no one was able to ever talk to Ricky and Heck when they first left. So they immediately jumped to he was kidnapped, possible perversions by Heck. Which Ricky did not help when he um was explaining to the hikers. Ricky was not a big help. <laughs> he he made me do stuff with my hands. And I have very soft hands, so it was quite hard at first. And he would never play with me, so he just had me play by myself. <laughs> and he just watched. <laughs> I would say that maybe it's more anti establishment than maybe anti government because heck and Ricky especially once they get real comfortable in the bush, clearly can't like go back to society. They can't go back to the established mm-hmm. norms of life. And that's kind of what the government and child protective services are representing is them trying to bring you back into the fold to make you part of the establishment as opposed to living uh, your best life. They want yeah, you to I, fill out forms. <laughs> so many yeah. forms. Yeah, forms on forms. That's where <laughs> I'm with you, Greg, because I think that it would be as a bit of a stronger anti-establishment message or like, or motif if they hadn't have met psycho Sam, who is Mm. the extreme of that thought is the, the government conspiracy colander hat type guy. And Mm. Sam and heck are sort of shying away from him because they're like, Oh, he's weird. And so I think it's all just a big misunderstanding. That's something you can make a musical about. Am I right, fellas? Like, I think that the it was less anti-establishment as much it was anti it was critical. There we go. It was more critical of the foster care system and specifically people that don't spend time with uh, the kids that they're fostering because it shows that Heck and Bella are good foster parents. But it also it repeatedly brings up how his past homes have not been well. And then with the anecdotes of like what happened to Amber and the other things, it just it gets brought up to where it's like, oh, you know, he didn't really have a good past at all. And with the bumbliness of Paula and her partner going like the cop that was with her going through all this. Andy, Andy yes, it was it, it just seemed to me to be more critical of like foster parents that don't do a good job with their children. And that yeah, kind, they didn't kind of seem to really awareness. care about Ricky so much as just doing the job. Like every yeah. time Ricky was introduced to people, he's like, oh, he's known for spitting and graffiti and kicking stuff, kicking stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Not, he, he was oh, like this an is item. a kid who is this old who is into rap music and sweatshirts and stuff. It's like, no, he's just here's his list of crimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's the commodity and that you're taking on, and you know we'll be in touch. It was very much like he was possession, basically. Like yeah, transactional we have to foist, nature. We have to foist him onto somebody, so we might as well put him onto you for a while. Hope you guys have a good time. Call me if you don't like him, and I'll come pick him back up. Like that was cold. <laughs> so, fellas, would you recommend this movie? And under what circumstances? I'll go first, I guess. Uh, Yeah, I would recommend this movie pretty much in all circumstances, unless, you know, there are some sad scenes, but mostly it's an uplifting movie that has a really sweet ending. And it's very quirky, very goofy, a lot of laughs. Highly recommend this one. This is this is one of my faves. Yeah, I recommend this movie, too. It's very light, very fun, very funny. Good, sharp dialogue, like Caleb said. Very well acted. You got Sam Neill being an old coot in the woods. Mm-hmm. You got the kid from Deadpool too. <laughs> yep. Being not a superhero. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good times. You got Tupac. That's all you need. You that's got Tupac the dog, and that's what really holds this movie together. Recommend. Robbie? I think that it was very well shot and well performed. I definitely recommend this to almost anybody as a really nice coming-of-age film, a reluctant dad film, as Caleb said. And uh, yeah, it's a solid watch either by yourself or with your family. I would definitely recommend this movie. Uh, It's very quirky, very fun, good music design. Russell from Deadpool 2 is just a peach (laughs) in this role. And if you like Deadpool 2, it's just him without superpowers in this movie. A little less crass, but a little more jokes. I would not recommend this to someone if I know their dog died in the last month. Mm. That's, because that's it has true. an old yeller scene. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And those aren't very fun. <laughs> so that was our discussion of Hunt for the Wilder People. Next week is Caleb's pick. Caleb, what are we watching next week? Fellas, I would like to 
offer this to you that we are going to watch spider-man into the spider-verse next week oh Would man i was thinking right? about picking that too <laughs> yes it just, i was like oh, wait, too shame. much live action it's about time mm-hmm. it's about time this one is specifically geared at someone among us who probably has not seen it <laughs> i have not <laughs> Robbie is, it has just come to my attention that uh, the superhero movie genre is lost on you a bit and I just would like to offer this up and say that it is probably one of the best if not maybe the best of the, the 21st century I really shouldn't hype it up but it is really well made and after this no more superhero movies for a while I promise all right. I, I don't I mean, hold to I, that promise. That's fine. Someone else can. <laughs> he won't. But I am like, I'm like three for five right now. It's okay. It's like me with horror movies. I've got to cut it loose. <laughs> Feel free to join us next week when we talk about Into the Spider-Verse. Feel free to watch along. And please follow us on all the social medias. We are 4FilmFellas on Facebook and Instagram. That's 4FilmFellas. F-O-U-R FilmFellas. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Bye, everyone. Woo.